Hey, hey, and welcome to another podcast, Valley Sunday. I am one of your hosts, Chris Paco. And I'm your other host, Jeff Cameron. How's it going, Jeff? Super swell. How about you today, Paco? It's going well, going well. I feel like blowing my mind up today. Oh, yeah. I'm with you, buddy. Because we have the Monkeys episode 57, Monkeys huh. Blow Their Minds. The penultimate episode of the series. Yeah. It really is, and it, it's a it's it's packed. It's a packed episode. <laughs> no joke, man. It's uh, directed by David Winters, written by Peter Meyerson, and originally aired on March eleventh, nineteen sixty-eight. How about that? So we come to probably I won't say the best cold open, but my favorite cold open, and I've been <laughs> waiting for it for a long time because when we started this podcast, I knew it was second season. But yeah. I didn't realize it was the second to last episode of the second season. Yeah, you don't get that perspective when they're all just kind of jumbled up in syndication and on your VHS tapes. Yeah, exactly. So we open on a shot of Mike's monkey's chair, like the director's chair they give all the actors. It says Mike on uh-huh. the back. And it's revealed that none other than Mr. Frank Zappa himself is sitting in it. He's wearing what? Mike's eight-button wool hat and a blue eight-button monkey's shirt. <laughs> All in. He's all in. And he introduces himself as Mike Nesmith from the Monkees. What the fuck? My watch started talking to me. Okay. He introduces himself as Mike Nesmith from the Monkees. Hello, I'm Mike Nesmith, and I'm one of the Monkees. And uh, he introduces his buddy Frank Zappa, who's played by Mike in a fuzzy wig, a Zappa mustache, and a big fake nose. That world-famous person, participant in, perhaps even leader of, none other than the Mothers of Invention, and here he is. Love you, Frank Zappa. Hi, kids. Hi, Mike. Hi. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. As Frank is talking to Mike, his nose falls off. They have a lot of zany stuff on this program, don't you think? (laughs) And then, okay, I'm going to say Mike asks Frank something, but it's actually Frank Zappa asking Mike something, but I'm going to call them their character names just to kind of keep things straight here. Okay. So, so Mike asks Frank something. And when he answers, Mike tells him that he's supposed to be talking like Frank. No, you're supposed to talk like Frank. This is one of our cute numbers for the show. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to be you and you're supposed to be me, right? You see the way we work this out in advance? (laughs) Like... Can you believe this was on NBC in the 60s? It was something, man. <laughs> it's amazing. So uh, so Mike tells Frank that once he's done with the show, he's going to join the birds. And actual Mike, <laughs> he breaks the character and starts to laugh. You know that after I quit the show, I'm going to join the birds, don't you? <laughs> and then Mike asks Frank who he will join once he quits the Mothers of Invention. I may join the birds, too. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike tells Frank... That he feels like the monkey's music is banal and insipid. Especially in the area concerning your monkey's music, which uh, appears to me to be banal and insipid, you You know? You think that our music, the monkey's music, is banal and insipid? Which is a line I still use for things. (laughs) Because it's so funny. And then... (laughs) <laughs> and so Frank asks Mike where the soul of the monkey's music lands, which is a little throwback to Davey and Charlie Smalls from the last episode, because we know it yes. lands on the one and the three, because it's a bunch of white soul going on here. Uh-huh. And uh, Mike asks Frank to show him how to conduct, because he's heard that he's really spiffy at it. And he says that <laughs> he's just a lowly musician. <laughs> but Frank says he has it the other way around. You're a popular musician. I'm dirty, gross, and ugly. 
<laughs> Another line I still use with that twang of mics. I love the, the 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 look that Frank as Mike shoots off camera. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it gives me like a pouty, angry look to the camera. <laughs> so, did sign up for this. <laughs> so Frank suggests that they go over to the car and he'll teach him how to play it. And then Frank hits a huge drum, and suddenly Mike is Mike and Frank is Frank. And Mike is conducting while Frank beats the hell out of an old car and takes it apart, all while the Mothers of Invention song Mother People is playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the engine lights up, and Frank hits it with a fire extinguisher, and then he turns it to the camera, and it just goes all puffy white, which leads us to the intro. Yeah, about three minutes and 11 seconds with uh, Frank and Mike is Mike and Frank. It was. And uh, did you get a chance to, to listen to Mike's commentary on this one? Yes, I did. Yeah, they talk about how they kind of rig up the car because they're indestructible. Yeah. It's hard to just beat up a car. Yeah, he said it was built like a Sherman tank. <laughs> when we found this, well, we found, when we were watching the monkeys, is right around the time when I was, I picked up a few Frank Zappa CDs through like Columbia House or BMG. Mm-hmm. So like, it was right around that time that all this was happening. So I knew who Frank was and it was, it was kind of neat to see him on here. And Frank is kind of, notoriously bad on TV. Like, I think he was on Saturday Night Live once and he like made a real big show out of reading the cue cards. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Cast was not cool with it. Yeah, exactly. He's he's like in his own thing where he's poking fun at things that he thinks will be funny to him. Like, I don't think he gives a crap, has ever given a For crap real. about what anyone thinks about him. What, yeah, he doesn't doesn't have to. Exactly. But what what a fantastic way to, to live your life. Like just doing what you want to do. And people are like on you about it. And you're just like, well, I don't care what you think at all. Like, I, I don't know. That's amazing to me. For real. And also Mike was saying, uh, at this point in the show that all the, the four boys had gone crazy. And so that's with the actual show. And, uh, so that's why they brought in Charlie Smalls and brought in these extra people. And he wanted Frank Zappa. And Frank was the one who said, I'll only come on if I can play you. And so that's how it worked <laughs> out the way it did. They never got around to it, or the scheduling didn't work out, but uh, Peter's choice, I believe, for a person was uh, Janis Joplin. Really? I was wondering why Peter didn't get a, an episode. With yeah, a... I think it was like in the works, but it like fell through with something. Poor Peter. That would have been cool. It would have been cool. All right, so we come back to like a really dirty-sounding theme, which is pretty awesome. And Peter's walking down a street and he sees a sign that says Oraculo, world's leading mentalist, down the alley. And Peter reads it in an obvious voiceover. Oraculo, world's leading mentalist, down the alley. And uh, he heads down to the shop. And inside, a familiar guy lets Peter in. And this is Rudy, <laughs> played by none other than our buddy James Frawley. Jim. Who, uh, I was wondering why he wasn't, he wasn't directing. And I guess we know why. He's... <laughs> He's testing himself out in front of the camera now. This place is filled with a bunch of weird stuff. And he walks up to Oraculo, played by our main man, Monty Landis. And he introduces himself. But of course, Oraculo already knew that. (laughs) He's the best (laughs) mentalist. So Peter says that he's been trying to write a song, but can't come up with anything. And he needs Oraculo's help. Oraculo seems very uninterested until Peter mentions it's for an audition. And suddenly he's like super interested. (laughs) It's a 10-week gig at the Club Cassandro. And that, that's a hell of a gig. That's like two and a half months. Yeah, man. That's amazing. He asks Peter to look deeply into his eyes and ask what he sees. And Peter says, Dishonesty, cowardice, and a lack of scruples. Too deep. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> so Oracle asks Peter if he'd like to join him in a cup of tea. 
Do you think we'll both fit? <laughs> and as they're laughing, uh, Rudy distracts Peter, and Oraculo puts something into Peter's tea. Super shady. Pulls the card. Very shady. And uh, Peter takes a sip and is instantly in a trance. <laughs> so Oracula tells Rudy that the monkeys will never succeed because he has a plan, and the two of them just start laughing, like Austin Powers-style laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so at the audition, Mike, Mickey, and Davey are wearing the black eight-button shirts, and Mike's wearing the green eight-button hat. It's actually a six-button hat, if you, if you count the buttons. <laughs> and so We got time for that. And so I guess the shirts do make another appearance. We kept saying, like, this is the last time for the shirts, but this was, it was, it was recorded. It was the last time they, sh- they shot with the shirts, because this, yeah. judging by everybody's haircuts and mm-hmm. Mike's pre-tonsillitis voice, it's, uh, this was shot in the first part of the 1967, before headquarters, well, yeah, before headquarters and the tour and Pisces and all that. So it does have that kind of... Like almost season one and a half vibe, right? Yeah, exactly. They're still kind of really invested in the show and like everyone's present and accounted for. Yeah. Like Mickey has the flat hair, (laughs) which Mike, uh, in the commentary, Mike talks about that. And he said like Mickey used to put like a stocking on his head. He'd he'd wet his hair down and then put a stocking on it to keep it flat because he didn't like his curls until he eventually embraced the curls. And Mike, I agree with Mike because he also said I, I, I liked him with the curls better. And I also... Like Mickey with the curls better. I think everybody does. It's I think just, so too. It's like iconic. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, there's some square old guy running the auditions, oddly <laughs> enough. And this is uh, Milton Latham. And he tells him to hurry up because he doesn't have all day. It's another jerky grown up. So it is definitely has those season <laughs> one vibes. And Mickey says that there's no sense in setting up if Peter's not even there. And Mike says, well, they can set up, but he really wishes that Peter had written them a song. So they're completely unprepared. for Even if Peter's there, he's supposed to have a song for them. And if he does, he's showing up with a song that they've never heard before. So what are they going to do? What's it going to be about? An alligator or something? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I miss him. (laughs) So Peter shows up in a trance. And offstage, we see Oraculo and Rudy. And Oraculo says that not only is he a good psychic slave, but he's got perfect timing. And Rudy asks if he thinks it's going to work. And Oraculo says... That the great Oraculo never fails. And when Rudy brings up a certain failure, Oraculo smacks him on the hand. <laughs> so Davey says that Peter looks like a machine. And Mike says that he always does, but Peter puts his bass on backwards. And when Davey asks if he's okay, he says he's fine, but in like a trance-like voice. Yes, I'm all right. Let's go. And so Mike watches Peter try to play the backside of his bass with his thumb. And he comes to the conclusion that he's out of it. Uh, the jerk running the auditions tells him to hurry up, so they all count in, but Oraculo offstage tells Peter that his talent has deserted him. So when they kick in, Peter crows like a rooster. And Mike asks if they want to try it one more time. Davy counts to four, and then Peter takes a drumstick and counts off five, six, seven, eight, and then punches the stick right through the drum head, which is a drum skin. It was not in the know. And uh, Mickey is unimpressed, as I would be too, but also kind of impressed because if you can just crush down through a drum head with one swing, that's that pretty impressive. Power. Yeah. But as like you and me are music dudes and we see that and we're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. Someone's going to have to fix that. Yeah, that's expensive. <laughs> Get to work it in again. Oh, man. Yeah. So Davey tries to laugh it off and tells the jerk that uh, Peter used to be a one-man band. And Oracula tells Peter to come to him, and he just walks off stage. 
So the jerk has seen enough and tells him, like, okay, forget about it. And then Davy tries to stall, but he says that they're not there to waste his time. So backstage, Oraculo tells Peter to do exactly what he tells him. And Peter says that he's there to kill Oraculo. And Oraculo said, who told him that? And Peter says, He who secretly hates Oraculo and hasn't the guts to tell him. For a psychic slave, you got a big mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And then Peter's dressed in like a weird suit and vest thing. And he looks kind of like a grinder monkey. (laughs) These big puffy pants and everything. So uh, Latham, he asks, uh, who's, who's next to audition? And Oraculo tells Peter that the time has come and they must win this audition. And we cut to Oraculo on stage with Peter floating on his back in midair. And I don't know if you could see this on the original cast, but on the Blu-rays, you, you can see the strings. But see, you don't <laughs> yeah. never know if they, they want you to see the strings and the monkeys, right? <laughs> like they want you to be in on the, the, the jokes and the, the tricks. So yeah. who knows? But either yeah. way, I don't think people at home in 1968 were like, holy man, he made no, Peter Tork yeah. float. <laughs> <laughs> so the boys are watching the audition and uh, Mickey realizes that Oracula has stolen Peter's mind. <laughs> Good call, Mick. And Oracula <laughs> says that he can raise Peter up and Rudy pulls a rope and Peter goes higher or he can take him down. And then Rudy lets go of the rope and Peter just crashes to the floor. <laughs> oh, man. So Latham the jerk is blown away. And when Oraculo comes to the boys, he asks what they think. And Mike says, Well, I think you're a ruthless fraud. (laughs) Mickey tells him that he freaked Peter's mind, and everyone is impressed with his line reading. You freaked Peter's mind! That was very good. Freaked his mind. I like that. Yeah, me too. I want to use that. So (laughs) Oraculo says that Peter came to him under his own free will and asked Peter if that's correct. And then Peter says, Whatever you say, master. Which when people say that, you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Trance-like sound and putting master at the end. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I think something's up. So Lathan the jerk tells Oraculo and Peter to come with him so he can drop the contract and they leave. So Mickey yells after Peter and tells him that the door is always open to him. But if he comes over with his friends, he should write first because they're going to be renting his room. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they got to make right up away. for that money they didn't get for the 10-week gig. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so back at the pad, Mike is talking to Oraculo on the red phone and is sitting in a, like a crazy painted chair that almost looks like a, like, a, like a king or queen from a deck of cards, like a psychedelic yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. There's a couple of chairs in this episode that look like that. So Davey says that if they're going to help Peter, they have to get him alone. And Mike says he needs Oraculo to come over, but he says that he usually doesn't make house calls. Mike says that he's lost his memory, and when Oraculo asks if he remembers who he's talking to, he says, yeah, it's Oraculo, and Oraculo says that he's already working. (laughs) So Mike (laughs) says that he was carrying a briefcase with $50,000 in it, and Oraculo chokes. I wonder what that would be today. That could be like $200,000 or something. Maybe. And so Mike says that he's willing to give half of it to whoever helps him find it, and surprisingly now, Oraculo is down to help. Oh, of course. <laughs> and he could come over right now. So Mike hangs up and he says that he'll keep Oraculo busy and ask Mickey if he's found anything out about how to fix Peter. And he says that he's read every book in the library and Mike asks him what he's learned. Mickey says, A Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> That's definitely a, like a first season joke, it seems. Yes. So at Oraculo's place, Peter's still in a trance and Oraculo says that he's going to go off on another adventure. And when he's done, he'll have $25,000 bulging out of his pockets. 
And Rudy asks, what about him? And Oracula opens up a box and tells Rudy that he has to stay back and watch Peter and he'll pay him 50 cents an hour. But Rudy doesn't <laughs> think that's fair. Good for Rudy. And uh, so he tells him that he'll pay him half a dollar and Rudy's fine with that. And then he starts to kiss Oracula's hand, but then he bites it and Oracula freaks out. Why are you biting my hand? <laughs> So, at the pad, Oracula tells Mike that the hiding place of the money is locked deep within his unconscious. And he tells Mike to free his mind of all thought and ask Mike how he feels. Um, oh, uh, thoughtless. And Oracula <laughs> tells Mike to look deeply into his eyes and, tell, and then he asks what he sees. Cowardice and um, dishonesty and a general lack of scruples. Maybe there's something in what they say. <laughs> so back at Oracula's place Rudy's pretending to be Oracula and casts spells or something in the mirror and while he's distracted by himself Mickey and Davy sneak in it's funny how they're supposed to, to keep him occupied but he's like a parakeet like he's just occupying himself in the mirror <laughs> so Mickey pretends to be the great Dolenzio and will transfer his mind to Rudy's mind and then Mickey pretends to be the voice of Oraculo and tells Rudy to come to him. And Rudy is about to, but then realizes that it's not the sound of Oraculo's voice. So Mickey says that he has a great treasure and he wants to share it with, with him. And Rudy says, Well, who am I to judge? And he takes off. What good way to get him out of there. Painted, they wrote themselves into a corner and got right out the window. <laughs> Done. So Mickey and Davey go to Peter, but he can't remember them. And Mickey can't remember his lines, apparently, because he's all over the place. Don't I know you from somewhere? I am Mickey! I mean, I'm Mickey, your best ball at Pat, Bob, Bunny, and Pat, and friend, and hardship, and toil for two, for years and years. <laughs> and uh, Davey says that Peter is still whacked out. And Mickey says that they have to transfer Peter's mind back from Oraculo's mind. And suddenly a skeleton drives through in a little car as Valerie starts to play. And goes, it goes right out the door, and we go right into Monkey's Romp with Valerie. Nice. Yeah, pretty radical. One bummer thing in the commentary was Mike talked about how he never really liked the song Valerie. He said he didn't think it was one of Boyce and Hart's stronger compositions. Well, he's... Uh, I thought that Mike's was. a country guy. Maybe he meant this particular version of the song, because this is the Birds and the Bees version, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This has He does talk about like the crazy guitar solo and brings up how the guitar in like popular music was still relatively new, like within 10 years. Yes. And uh, somebody playing a solo like that, people, like, guitar heads kind of lost their minds over this song trying to figure it out. For real, yes. Yeah. But in, in song terms, there's a girl I know who makes me feel so good. Yeah. And I wouldn't live without her, even if I could. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Shakespeare it ain't. Yeah. So maybe Mike is onto something from a, a, a quality of song content point of view. But... That's like, just I love the riff. I love the harmonies on the chorus. Everything's good. It's, Mike, Mike, it's, Mike uh, it's swung good. and missed on that on, on that opinion of his. <laughs> yeah, well, what can you do? So, to get into the romp, Peter is turned into a skeleton, and Mickey jumps into Davy's arms. The uh, they open a door, and there are two pretty girls and a weightlifter dude who are in the same room as the boys, but I guess they're not supposed to be. It's, it's kind of a confusing shot. And Mickey and Davey tidy themselves up, but before they can go in the room, Peter does, carrying a tray with, like, stack of glasses on it. And they open the door again, and there's a, sh a shot of a scary sculpture, and they freak out. And uh, they walk past Peter in a big crate and accidentally knock the door closed, and Davey notices that it says, Saw in Half Trick, Cut on Line, so they do. <laughs> kind of a crapshoot to just start cutting things in half I think when Peter's uh, in real. there 
Uh, so, but when they leave it open, or when they open it up, Peter's upside down for some reason. And they smash some symbols together beside Peter to wake him up, but it just hurts their own ears. Oraculo hands Mike a cup of something spiked with something, uh, but Mike stirs it with his pipe and throws it over his shoulder. Uh, Mickey and Davey have a cloth over a crystal ball, and they take it off. Peter's head's inside, and when he stands up and walks away, he takes the whole table with him. Uh, he, he jump cuts through the door with the hand on it, and uh, Mickey and Davey follow him, and when they open it back up, Tarzan's in there holding his hand over his mouth. What the uh, heck? Mickey and Davey uh, bring some pretty girls to Peter to snap him out of it, and they kiss him, but to no avail. So Mickey and Davey try to kiss the girls, but they want none of it. Uh, Oraculo hands uh, Mike another glass, and he smashes it in his hand. And after each, each of these things, when Mike uh, messes up the Oraculo plan, he looks at the camera and goes like, drat, <laughs> every time. Uh, Mickey and Davey put Peter's face in a bowl of water, and when they take it out, he's got some creepy mask on. Mickey and Davey are flexing with Tarzan, and he shakes Davey's hand, and his gets crushed with Davey's might. And Davey, <laughs> Mickey congratulates Davey with a handshake, and he goes down. And then Davey shakes his own hand and takes himself out. <laughs> Mickey and Davey are carrying Peter, who turns into Mr. Schneider for some reason. Uh, Oraculo distracts Mike and puts something new into his glass. And when he goes to drink it himself, Mike stops him. And he does this big pantomime, like points to the glass and then points in his mouth a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> and so he drinks it and then falls under the spell and passes out on the couch. Oh, so that's that's the end of the romp there. So Mickey and Davey are standing beside Peter, who's still in the trance. Uh, Davey says they're going to use experimental psychology. And Mickey says that sounds complicated, but Davey just pulls out a big mallet and bonks Peter on the head with it. Actually, it's not. <laughs> and uh, Peter hits the deck and they drag him out. So Oraculo says that now that Mike is under the trance, he'll do whatever he tells him. But suddenly Rudy shows up and Oraculo says there's something fishy going on here and demands that Mike tells him what's up. And Mike says, While uh, Davey and Mickey are overfreeing Peter, while I'm keeping you here by feeding you this story about a valise with $50,000 in it, uh, which uh, never really existed. And Rudy says that he's turned Mike into another one of his slaves. First him, then Torque, now Mike. When will it end? And Oraculo says he dare not ask because things are going so well. <laughs> so, it's funny that Rudy knows that he's under the trance. Like he says, first me, then Peter. <laughs> yeah, so, come to terms with it. Yeah, I guess so. So then we go to a commercial. And we come back, Davey and Mickey bring Peter into the pad and tell him that he's home and he should be acting like his old self soon. And Peter Lee instantly like walks into a totem pole and keeps walking into it like his feet are sliding on the floor. There he goes, he started already. So Mickey calls for Mike, but they can't find him even though they do a fast motion search of the place for him. Davey says that they have to go find him and Mickey says that they can't leave Peter there alone. So they put down a poster of a lion and luckily they have chains for Peter's hands, there's like they chain him to the wall. There's like these chains behind the poster for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it's a weird thing to have it over there. The 60s, man. 60s. <laughs> Different times. Yeah. They say meals are at one and seven. Then they split to find Mike. At Oraculo's place, Mike is still in the trance, and Oraculo's yelling at Rudy for letting Peter escape. Mickey and Davey burst into the place and say that they're Captain Goodness and Junior Goodness. Hold it, Oraculo! It is I, Captain Goodness and Junior Goodness! And Oraculo. <laughs> Sorry. That's just so funny. That is pretty funny. So Oraculo instantly tries to put them under a spell and says that they've lost their will. And he said, they say, you've lost your talent. 
And Mickey tells Oracula that his power is gone and Peter is safe, but Rudy steps out from behind the beaded curtain and bonks Mickey and Davy with a big mallet, another big mallet, <laughs> and another beaded uh, curtain. Oh, wow. And they go down. So Oracula says that when your psychic ability falls short, you have to find another way, and Rudy is super impressed with himself. And Oracula says that tonight at the club will be a triumph with Oracula and his four slaves. And we see a very old shot of the boys in like the black and white prison striped garb. Like early season yeah. one. Yeah. And Rudy protests that they said Peter was safe. So Oracula goes, calls out to the cosmos for Peter and he gets an operator saying that the line is busy. And so Oracula <laughs> tells her to get off the line and he tries again. Uh, this time it gets through to Peter and uh, Peter just rips the chains right out of the walls and starts to walk. Uh, but Oracula says that that's not the way to the door. And Peter says, well, what do you expect from a psychic slave? <laughs> so at the club Lathan the jerk introduces Oraculo but he's backstage with the boys and trances and all they're all dressed up in these weird grinder monkey uniforms now <laughs> and Oraculo says give them a little more potion than usual and he'll meet them out front and he splits usually yeah when you're going on stage with something give them more trance juice <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's like the guy doing like two too many shots before he goes on or, you know, too many lines or whatever the heck, like this will get me more into it. And it just ends up being a mess. So out front, the audience is applauding. We see the penguin from the Batman series, like, like really Burgess Meredith is there for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so weird. And, uh, Oracula asks a woman to hold up fingers behind his back between zero and 30. And he can guess them, which is funny because how could you hold up between 20 and 30? <laughs> so she holds up three fingers and Rudy is in front of Oraculo and he gives him the three finger sign. And Oraculo says, three fingers. And everyone's impressed, even the penguin. But it's like, Rudy's right there. Like, how did I see Rudy throwing up the three fingers? So Oraculo asks a man to stand up and it's Davy with glasses and a little goatee beard thing. And he says that he's a lawyer. And Oraculo says that he'll look into his future, and he tells him at the age of 29, he'll be the l- youngest judge to ever sit on the Supreme Court. And they could use some young judges, let me tell you. <laughs> and uh, everybody claps. And Davy says that he's already 35. And Oraculo says, Then you should have come to see me sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Good recovery. Good recovery. So the crowd starts to boo, and Davy does his, oh, sound. Classic. And uh, Oracula is not deterred, and he says that he will now demonstrate his invulnerability to pain. And he asks a guy, who turns out to be Mickey, wearing a fake mustache and choking on his drink, if you notice, Mickey's mustache is two different mustaches put together. (laughs) I did not pick up on that. One's a big, long gray one, and the other one's like a shorter kind of brown one. (laughs) Oh, my God. And so he asks uh, Mickey to ground out his cigarette into his palm. But Mickey says he can't do that, and Oracula says, do it. So Mickey grabs a cigar and plunges it into Oracula's palm, and he freaks out. <laughs> but Mickey says that it wasn't lit, and everybody starts to boo. Even the Latham the Jerk boss starts to boo. <laughs> Backstage, Rudy asks if the boys need any more potion, and he smacks Mickey on the cheek, which snaps him out of it. That's all he needed was a little smack. And then Rudy leaves. So Mickey smacks Mike on the cheek and he says, Don't do that. And then he smacks Davy on the cheek who says, Don't do that. And then he smacks Peter on the cheek who says, Thanks, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> so out front, Oracula's losing the crowd and Rudy tells him to get ready for Oracula and his four slaves. And uh, the monkeys come out with their hands on each other's shoulders and they walk around Oracula singing some weird tune and the crowd is loving it, which is weird. 
And Arachio <laughs> says that they're under his complete control and tells them to go rigid, but instead they go limp, and then the place starts booing again. Very tepid crowd. One, one side to the other. For real. And uh, the boys follow all over each other, and the crowd starts to laugh their asses off while Rudy tries to get the boys to be rigid. And Peter starts to bark like a dog, and then they all start acting like dogs. And Miraculous says, Ladies and gentlemen, he's my famous dog. So this leads us to Monkey's Romp number two, which oh. we haven't had romps in like the last three shows, and this one we get two romps. For real. And it's to gonna buy me a dog, which well, that's is a throwback. Crazy, obviously, because they're doing the dog act, but still kind of shocking. And mm-hmm. so it's old footage of the boys rolling up in the monkey mobile before it said monkey mobile on the side. It's yeah. filled with dogs. The boys running around a big property with dogs, playing with dogs. Then Latham the jerk is acting like a dog. The penguin's laughing. Mickey's trying to teach dogs how to roll over. Uh, Mickey and Davy fighting over a bone. Peter playing with the puppies. Araculo and Rudy acting like dogs. The crowd's cheering, loving it. Rudy asks if this is something they should be doing, and Araculo says, Master slave, what's the difference, Rudy? Long as we're in show business. <laughs> and that's the end of the uh, story part of the episode. <laughs> yeah, for real. They must have had like 15 minutes shot for this episode. Exactly. Two romps. <laughs> In between like, the <laughs> intro and like a bunch of stock footage from the dog day. And like, and then this whole thing at the end coming up. Yeah. There's not much show to this show. So that must have been why they're they probably just not going to use it. And then they just needed another show to fill out the seasons. They're like, okay, let's bring in Frank Zappa and let's do an intro that's really long and. Pretty yeah, much. Stick yeah. a song at and the I end. think the penguin might have been there. Penguin might have been uh, jealous that Catwoman got to be on. The monkeys, maybe. <laughs> maybe. He's a big fan. Or maybe he showed up for work as the penguin, and for some reason they weren't shooting that day, but he was like, well, actually, the monkeys are working today. Go over there. Maybe you'll be in a crowd scene or something. Yeah. As the penguin, why not? Gets paid by the giggle. So he's like, man. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so then after that, we get the video for Daily Nightly. It's great, obviously fantastic this has been on like four or five times now it feels like it, it does it we'll see between this and star collector because they're both like all both wearing white they both got the moves, same vibe, all that yeah. stuff it's like i keep getting them kind of switched but it has this is definitely not the first time it's played <laughs> for real it's like all in white cool visuals cooler music completely rad the whole thing yeah. it's mike is completely still through the whole thing the whole thing he's just leaning up against whatever that thing is and uh yeah. peter does like weird arm motion davy's like giggling throughout it it's like i wonder why mike didn't like it's his song like you know what i mean he's, he's getting getting some bucks yeah. maybe he wanted to sing it i don't know it would have but, been very interesting and i think we talked about it before when it was on but and you can't really tell in the shot but it's at the pad on their little bandstand yeah it's just a uh, lit You'd have no idea. You can't see the background. Yeah, you'd have no idea that they're they're right outside the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the quote unquote beach. Yeah, and uh, my, Mickey's having a great time on the Moog. And then at the very end, he just yells, "Psychedelic!" Psychedelic! Psychedelic! <laughs> it's awesome. And that's and that's the episode. That's episode fifty-seven. All there. So overall <sighs> thoughts: uh, not a bad episode, but it's obviously shot a while earlier. And follows yeah. like the early vibes of the show. 
Yes. And uh, But at least the band was a, a thing. Again, it revolves around the band trying to do something at, the, at its very core. Like, then they become in a trance and this kind of thing. Yes. But it's because yes. they were trying to get a gig at it's the very It's a good least. combination of the band stuff and the, the weird <laughs> Monty Landis dressed up as something shit. Yeah, exactly. And obviously the Frank Zappa intro is possibly the greatest intro of any of the shows. It's, and uh, again, it's it, so good. It also shows where they could have gone in the third season with what they were talking about doing. Yeah, so. absolutely. And you get the snippet of Frank's music. Yep. Which is not, I think, is one of a few, only like a couple times do they uh, play someone else's music on the show. And uh, we're going to see it one more time in the next episode, folks. So stay tuned. Yeah, stick around. Don't bail on us yet. It's the last one. For real. You, I mean, you've made it this far, folks. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> um. Guns, no, and that's a hat trick. Three episodes huh. in a row, I believe, don't have guns. Wow. Yeah. The, the peace, Nick, Peter, and the hippie movement, <laughs> maybe they finally got through to the suits. We don't have to have guns in our, our rock and roll TV show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, highlight of the show for me, intro with Frank Zappa. Seems obvious because I've been going off about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there, Paco. It's hard not to. Yeah. Um, was there a monkey's ruse? I guess when they pretend to be under the trance after Mickey smacks them all out of it. Yes, yes, yes. So fourth wall break. There's like the uh, the Frank Zappa stuff at the beginning when Mike says he's Definitely. dirty, gross, and ugly. Every time Mike throws away one of the 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 the, po- the lace drinks, yes. Arachio looks at the camera as well. And I feel like with the monkeys, there's so much fourth wall breaks that I'm missing so many just because it's integrated into the show that I don't even notice it. It's just part of it. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> you feel like you're there with the guy. Yeah. So I, I apologize if I've, if I've missed things, uh, best musical moment for me, daily nightly. Although the, the, the Valerie romp is nice too. So it's decent. Yeah. Still a good tune. Yeah. Uh, classic monkeys moments. We got the back to back. Don't do that. And the Davy. Oh, um, what wouldn't fly in 2022, maybe calling them slaves, doing maybe that. Uh, maybe. But other than that, it seems very spiking people's drinks. I don't know if that's. Yeah. Maybe. You know. Uh, maybe this counts as a classic monkey's moment, but that's, that's a series wrap on Mr. Schneider, folks. Oh, yes. And I, in a, I was going to mention this later, but oh, we're in the Diginos now anyways, but uh, Mike talks about, they called him Mr. Schneider, like as an insult to Bert Schneider <laughs> in the commentary. So that was kind of funny. Because you always knew he was named after him, but it was always like, are they doing it nicely or not nicely? And Mike, uh, Apparently not nicely. Yeah, Papa Nez lets you know. <laughs> so with some more Diginos, uh, Burgess Meredith is a penguin, which we mentioned. Uh, it's weird he pops up as the Penguin because the Batman and the Monkeys run at the same time on different networks. So they were kind of competing with each other. So I thought they were both on NBC, weren't they? That's what I thought too, but then I read that they weren't. So hold on, let me get to the... Bo- I don't want to sound like an idiot. Nope, they were on ABC. Really? Yeah. Huh. So yeah, so... for sure. Mostly because of the association with the monkeys. It seems like they're shot in the same place with the same equipment. Yeah. I could have sworn they're an NBC show. I did as well until I read that. And so it's kind of weird that they would let Burgess Meredith go over to to uh, the monkeys and, and, and yeah. to play the penguin. Like he doesn't have 
the, yeah. the nose or something. He's missing something of his. I mean, but. He's he's not the villain in the episode or anything. Yeah, he's, he's just, just there laughing. He's he just kind of shows up. He's just taking in some uh, some psychic uh, <laughs> mind transmit. <laughs> yeah, and obviously Burgess, uh, he's he's like an acclaimed actor. He played Rocky in the Rock. He didn't play Rocky. He was a very acclaimed actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, he plays Mickey in the Rocky movies. And we've had tell him it's over. He, I believe he has also made an appearance, whether him or just a sound alike has made an appearance on this podcast before. It's over, Rock. <laughs> it's over, Rock. Nothing is over. Just give me something to drink. Nothing's over. Just give me something to drink. Wrapped in brisk iced tea. Wrapped in brisk iced tea. This is the deluxe version with the brisk guy. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the book Mike is reading while Oracula is talking to him is called Simplified Scientific Astrology. Oracula's uh. um, name is spelled wrong in the credits. <laughs> wow. It's spelled Oracuco instead of Oraculo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And Valerie is also misspelled in the credits. Is Valerie ending with an I, not the E. Okay, so uh, Mike said that um, in the second season here, after the second season, they did a a 53-date summer tour, and it made Mike realize that he did not want to be in a touring band. (laughs) So that was one of the things that got him to to bail. He also Mm. brings up that, like, uh, Peter's directed an episode and Mickey directs the last episode and they asked Mike if he wanted to direct an episode, but uh, he said he didn't want to at the, he didn't want to at the time cause he was more into music than TV and film, which then becomes ironic because then he becomes completely <laughs> about TV and film and directing real, things. Yeah. Huh. And, uh, and he also said that by the second season, he had no connection to the work at all, no creative connection to the work. And he was yeah. just showing up. And just doing what he was told, which <laughs> or not showing up, or not showing as the case may be. <laughs> One other thing he says, which is kind of cool, and I, I'm pretty sure I realized this at the time, but when they did the show in 1996, mm. or, or he says 97, but I thought it was 96. Uh, it was supposed to be as if the monkeys had never gone off the air. And they were still living together and still playing mm-hmm. and still doing everything. And so that's why the show is the way it is. And I thought that... Yeah, that's, that's the conceit. Like, they just continued living as the monkeys, but the, none of the shows were aired until this one. Yeah. So it's, like, supposed to be, like, yeah, it's just... They're, they're still them. It's pretty awesome. I think that's such a great idea. It's, it's really the only way to have done it. For real, you know? yeah. But who knows? Maybe we'll talk more about that show in a future episode. I, I suppose we might. <laughs> well, one more thing he says is like whenever they had guest stars on the monkeys, uh, the guests would always leave despising them and hating the show <laughs> because uh, the boys were so crazy on set. Yeah. And so one last thing Mike said has nothing to do with this show, but I think is just really funny. And it's in the commentary is he says that Mickey was building a helicopter in his basement and yes, yes. Mike asked, he's like, what are you going to do with this helicopter? You can't take it up the stairs when it's done. And Mickey <laughs> said he was just going to wall it in and sell it with the house. And people don't know that there's a helicopter in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about that anecdote is is very, very Mickey. Yeah. 
So I think Mickey, Mickey Manson's building the, the gyrocopter in his basement in his book. And like at the time, yeah, you just got to read it. Oh, that's kind of cool. He's always kind of doing stuff. That, they don't realize it's in his basement. <laughs> yeah. And like, can you imagine the person buys the house, whatever, lived there for years? Like, okay, let's knock out this wall. I think we could put something in here. You knock it down a wall and there's a helicopter in the basement. <laughs> like, it's perfect. It's a perfect way to like create mystery for these people. For, Absolutely. Like, like, did the did the house get built around the helicopter? How, what what is it here for? How did it get here? What's going on? It, it's just amazing. I hope to do that is, one day. Is this is this Batman's house? Yeah, exactly. Oh, fantastic! So, just to wrap up the Diginos, uh, the guy who plays Latham the Jerk is Milton Frome. He has 168 credits, and he also played Manny Spink in uh, Monkeys on the Line. So it's his second oh. appearance. No, no, one was recurring it, but Jesus Christ, Milton from yeah. Could you could you get a more pretentious actor name? <laughs> it's just Latham the jerk. Uh, <laughs> and of course, Monty Landis, sixty-eight or sorry, sixty-seven credits, and he plays Pee- sixty-five of them are on the monkeys. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's in a Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He has the box for Pee-wee's. He runs the oh, the magic no shop. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to think. Is it called Oraculos Max? It can't be. It's called. It has some crazy name. Be. It has some crazy name in that too. We'll check into that on Pee Wee Valley Sunday <laughs> yeah. coming next fall. I like wherever you get your podcast. I like Podcast Valley Pee Wee. <laughs> Pee Wee Valley Pee Wee. Look for it <laughs> where you get your podcast. All right, so I'm hearing something in the distance. Oh, I'm hearing it too. And it's a bittersweet sound. This is our final randomatic countdown featuring the Wool Hat of Mystery. We've gone through all but three songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's a moment. Let's face it. It's, if you're into <laughs> Podcast Valley Sunday, this is a moment. It's it's uh yeah man this is a big day and uh, we will have a big uh, countdown wrap up show we will yes and uh, the, the hat will attend that as well yeah I'm sure just, uh, yeah the place of honor on the like we're gonna roast the hat yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no for real uh, we're down to three tunes and I for real I have no idea what they might be I may Good have so. an idea of one of them but I'm yeah. again I, I'm not positive one thing last week if you listen to last week we pulled out two bangers way bangers which almost made me bummed out because like man if those are the last (laughs) two songs we pulled from the hat it would have been awesome because we don't know what's in here could be like three dudaroos might be three jellies (laughs) i'm hoping for jams we might get jellies hoping for the jams all right so i think who goes first could have been going one well i've had two the last two times yeah. Well, I'd say well, you came up with the wool hat concept, oh, so you can true. do you can pull two today. Thank that's you. That's how Puck. we'll do that. All right. So reach yes. on in, bud. Thank you. Thank you. There it is. Okay. Yeah, it, oh, it's all it's a little crinkly. It's been in there a long time. It's a uh, oh, it's ninety nine pounds. Off it changes. <laughs> Interesting. She's a ninety nine pounds. Ninety nine pounds. That's 99 Pounds, sung by Davy Jones. 
written by Jeff Barry and released on Changes, the final Monkeys album. And uh, it's a banger, folks. And yeah, uh, man. it wasn't recorded then, by the way. What did you think of the tune, first of all, Paco? Good, man. It, it jumps out of the gate. Like, it, when it was playing, when it got to the chorus, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I remember the song. But, um, <laughs> bro, it, it, they rip. They rip on this one. There's that Hammond organ. It's crazy. It's yeah. It's a it's a good banger, dude. You're right, 100. percent It is pretty wicked, and um, indeed, it was not recorded in late '69, '70ish when the Changes album came out. It was actually from uh, early '67. Jeff Barry had produced this during the last Don Kirshner supervised sessions, which also yielded a little bit me, a little bit you. So it kind of like on the surface kind of has that vibe to it. It kind of does sound like a little bit, a little bit with the tambourine. It's probably the same bunch of guys. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it's it's a good song. It's great too. And uh, yeah, Jeff Barry was, I think we talked about it before with the with the Changes album. Jeff Barry and Andy Kim were trying to produce an album and the label was like, nah. They're like, okay, well, how about we do a Monkey's album instead? They're like, all right. So <laughs> Jeff Barry dug up this tune and stuck it on the end of side one. Interesting. So yeah, no, it's a good tune. It's cool to have uh, like a sneaky good one come out at the very end as well. Absolutely. All right. So where but do you I like think? It a lot. It's definitely one of my uh, favorite Davy tunes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jumped up that, that list. Where do you feel it should go on the uh, random out of countdown here? Oh, goodness gracious, Paco. Uh Let's uh let's see here. It's tough because so many good tunes. Yeah, man, I'm looking at the list myself and it's a it's a stacked cast mm. for quite a while. No joke, but I'm going to make it our new number 42 in between Sunny Girlfriend and While I Cry. We're going to put 99 pounds. My goodness, there you go. It's just a couple minutes. You can put it right at the end of any monkey mixtape you got going. <laughs> And that the changes bass makes a, a big appearance front and center. <laughs> For real. As it it's always probably does. Probably our highest charting changes song. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say it without even looking. <laughs> oh, except maybe Love You Better. I think that's up in the that was that was an early pull from that that we uh became very fond of. Yes, yeah, number twelve. I love you better is number twelve. Awesome. But anyway, Paco, it's your oh, your last chance last to put chance. your phalanges into that chapeau. All right, let's see what I get. Let's see what my last pull is here. All alone in the dark. Oh. <laughs> I don't think we have to take changes off the turntable for this one. Whisper softly, will it sound so nice? All Right, all alone in the dark off the changes album and i would just like to apologize to everybody for this being the last song i pulled out of the hat <laughs> why Way couldn't why couldn't it have been saturday's child like seriously nah, no dice 
See, with this song, right. as I was, you know, we re-listen to the songs, and it's going along, and I'm like, I don't know. It has the all the things I dislike about songs in it, essentially. And it has, like, the goofy little, like, uh, acoustic guitar. And then I'm like, this song can't get any more annoying. And then it has a kazoo solo. <laughs> And I'm like, congratulations. Like, are you sitting at the bar with D.W. Washburn all alone in the dark? Because that's what it feels like. Man, oh, man. That's right, folks. Uh, all Alone in the Dark, written by uh, Ned Albright and Stephen Souls, who contributed a track per side of changes. And uh, earlier we had pulled Acapulco Sun, which I think we had a similar reaction to. <laughs> yeah. Another Albright Souls joint. Yeah, not into it, Albright Souls. No, Albright, Ned Albright is kind of, is a, a lot of songwriting credits, nothing I'm really into. And uh, Stephen Souls later became part of Bob Dylan's Rolling Thunder Review. That's but, cool, though. Uh, as far as this tune goes, yeah. I wonder how many, uh, if Bob Dylan had Stephen Souls play many kazoo solos on that tour. <laughs> At first I thought it was like... like- the little trumpets, you know what I mean? Like a muted trumpet. No, you wish. That's just wishful thinking. Exactly. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Wait a minute. That's just a kazoo. Yep. So. But hey, man, we couldn't couldn't wrap up the hat without finding another jelly. True enough. Yeah, jellies <laughs> and jams. the back of the fridge. <laughs> so I am going to put All Alone in the Dark, I'll say right below pillow time, and right before Don't Bring Me Down at number 131. Yeah, okay. I was looking around it, and there's things I like. Like Theme from the Monkeys is 125. Yeah. Teardrop Shitty is 128. I mean, so I was like, you know what? Don't Bring Me Down has kind of grown on me a bit. When we do our last review, we might have to all right, maybe I'll, scooch it up a little from, uh, from Poo Poo Pool It. Like I have to say, I, when I see that one, I don't even remember which one it is, so I can't really talk sauce. All right, Jeff. If the goal of this pulling from the hat was to uh, be like the first picked, and as you go down, what you're about to pick is the ultimate loser of the hat. It has avoided all our phalanges every episode. I think it counts as the ultimate winner. The phalange dodger champion. True enough. He's pushing other people in front of it. (laughs) Take him. All right. So reach on in. See if you can find it in here now. Oh my gosh. All right. What do you got, Jeff? Oh, it's, oops, that's the tag. Uh, it's, I know what I know. It's from Good Times. It's Mike's song, and it's amazing. But I'm not sure I've listened to it since he's passed away. So this might be a, this might be a moment. All right, here we go, kids. It's kind of nice this was saved for last then. Or not saved for last, just it happened is, to be last. This is an incredible song to pull last. I know what I know. And what I know is I know nothing without you I know what I see And what I see is I see nothing without you I know what I know Sung and written by Mike Nesmith On the uh, most recent Monkeys album, Good Times and uh, what a gorgeous tune. Just that latter-day Mike vulnerability mm-hmm. with the piano. And just 
so gorgeous. And what a tune to pull at the end here. Wow. It really is, yeah. Very poignant tune. Uh, just with everything that's happened, like, since we've started this podcast, like, everything that's <sighs> gone down in the world of the monkeys, it's a... Uh, For real. Yeah, it's intense. It's intense. All right, so, Jeff, <sighs> where do you think it should go on the very last entry in the Randomatic Countdown <sighs> featuring the Woolhead of Mystery? Gosh darn it. Um, I am going to make it our new number 72 in between Good Clean Fun and Cripple Creek. Tuck it up behind another mic number. Nice. And uh, I do love this tune, but because it is kind of a kind of a, a heartstring puller, it's not something I would reach for too often. It's, you know, I'm more of the good time rock and roll kind of guy, but what a great tune. And um, an excellent contribution by Mike. It's second last song on Good Times. Yeah, fantastic. So just to wrap up, we'll give you the top 10 songs, the random at a countdown. Like we say, we'll be back for a longer episode to give you all the songs. But here we go. Number 10, The Girl I Knew Somewhere. You're standing in the place. Number nine, You and I. Number eight, You Just May Be the One. Never take for granted. Number seven, Listen to the Band. Number six, Circle Sky. Circle Sky was our original number one. Uh, Number five is Love is Only Sleeping. Number four, Pleasant Valley Sunday. Number three, long title, Do I Have to Do This All Over Again? Number two, Porpoise Song, the theme from Head. And number one, The Door Into Summer. Unreal. So, we will be back for our final episode of the season. Yes. And so, everybody, stay tuned. It's going to get great. So, from me, Paco. <laughs> and me, Jeff. Have yourselves a monk, 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 monkeys, 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 <laughs> little, little, monk, 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 monkeys. Hello, Jeff and Paco. Wait, wait. I am friendly. The evil wizard Glick is trying to use my Frodus energy to take over the world. You must help and try and stop him. And talk about the Frodus Caper episode on Podcast Valley Sunday. It's a Podcast Valley Sunday. Valley Sunday. Valley Sunday. A monkey's little evening. Thank you. Bye-bye.